You're listening to a podcast from the House of Literature in Oslo, presenting adapted versions of lectures and conversations featuring international writers and thinkers. You can find more information about the House and our events on our website. Good evening, everyone. My name is Åse Lappegolan, and I work with the artistic program here at the House of Literature. And it is my pleasure to welcome you to this conversation, which we have called Istanbul, Seen from Below. Because in Bern Sonmez's novel Istanbul, Istanbul, which has just come out in a beautiful Norwegian translation by Ingeborg Fossestøl, we entered the city through the memories and stories of four political prisoners held captive below the city. As one Turkish critic wrote about the novel, we can feel the Decameron by Boccaccio in the novel's texture, but we can follow footsteps of the invisible cities by Italo Calvino in its substance. And he is not the only critic to liken Istanbul, Istanbul to Boccaccio's Decameron, with its tales within tales. The prisoners' many anecdotes, riddles, and references to world literature reveal just how important our shared stories and culture is when we are placed in insufferable conditions. And in addition to the novel that will be our focus tonight, Sanmez has published three other novels, which has been translated into numerous languages, and he has also written for several newspapers and magazines about literature as well as politics. And a longtime champion of free speech, he's currently a board member of Penn International. But tonight, we are here to focus on his literature. And to talk with Sanmez on stage, I am happy to welcome literature scholar and critic Janneken Øverland, who, among many other things, has been editor of such writers as Oran Pamuk and the now-imprisoned Ahmed Altan. Please give them both a warm welcome. So, ready? Ready, yes. Go. Um, a heartfelt welcome to Boran Sönmes in Oslo, Literaturhuset. Also, a thank you to your Norwegian publisher at Askehau, Asbjörn. He's somewhere out there in the dark. Uh, for having picked up and published this Istanbul novel, the main occasion for your visit. Uh, I understand that translations for your collective books now amount to 40 languages. So we should be proud to be on that list. And also, a thank you to your Turkish book agent, Nermen Molaglu, and the Kalem Agency, who is one of the most energetic and effective book agents I know. Meeting you is also a great pleasure for me, having for many years, some years ago, been the publisher of more books by Turkish writers, a few of them also with Istanbul as the centerpiece. We'll get back to that. Uh, this is your third novel, and also I understand there is a fourth out already in Turkish. Could you just give us a quick overview of your titles? Uh, my first book, uh called North, in, in Turkish is Kuzey, uh, and the second book is Sins and Innocence, Masumnar in Turkish, 
Then Istanbul, Istanbul, and the latest one is Labyrinth, mm-hmm. just published in Turkish. I've read just a little about them, um, especially that one, the second one. Um, was it that one? Uh, where some, where a, um, a man goes north to find his uh, yeah, the father. Fir- the first one, yes. That's the first one, north, of course, it's yeah, the first yeah. one. Uh, but what does, in your terminology, what does go north mean? Uh, when I was... Uh, when I decided to write a uh, novel, uh, I was uh, in England, uh, in a north country, uh, in relation with Turkish uh, mm-hmm. uh, geography. So how, mm. how much north is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you look at uh, that way from home, it's too far away, because at the time I was not um, allowed to go back home. Uh, when you are in exile, anywhere is far away from home. Mm. So England was too far away from home. <laughs> so I started to write uh, about uh, traveling to north. Uh, actually, it had nothing to do with the, uh, the country of uh, Britain or England. Uh, it's, it's a story that takes place 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the story from a Kurdish uh, folk tale, from Kurdish legend. When I was little, my mother would tell us uh, fairy tales, you know, that's typical rural mm-hmm. life. And um, what, in most of the stories, uh, always there is an old father uh, in deathbed and advising his sons and daughters, saying that, OK, travel everywhere, but never go to north, uh-huh. and he dies. <laughs> but then we know that, OK, the story will take place in the north. <laughs> Uh, so why is north forbidden in Kurdish folk mm-hmm. tales? Mm-hmm. And why we should for, uh, look for our destiny in the north in the mm-hmm. end? That was the question. So <laughs> I started to write the north. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because also here north has a special meaning. But if you go north here, you come almost to the North Pole. Yeah. So that's more understandable. <laughs> Uh, and um, the the last one, the one that's out in Turkish, will be translated into English very soon. Uh, in the United States, next month they are publishing it, and wow, then the other yeah. languages are coming. <gasps> Labyrinth. Uh, when I'm, I was googling your career, you have to do that. Um, there is always something said about poetry, uh, according to you. Did that slip away? into the prose, or because your prose is very poetic at times, or is it still an undercurrent in your writing? Okay. Uh, all people say uh, unsuccessful poets become novelists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think now we end up becoming novelists. Maybe we are not very successful, or maybe we are not very courageous to become uh, a poet. Uh, I started to write uh, poems, even I won some literary awards nationwide, Mm -hmm. but then I don't know how, suddenly I found myself writing novels. I don't Mm -hmm. know why. Still I write poems, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, but not publishing them at the moment, just keeping them uh, aside and uh, maybe we'll publish in the future. 
through there is a little pile at yes. your home yeah. <laughs> growing yeah. slowly. <laughs> it's secret. <laughs> Good. I think you. I think the the novel has greeted you, and you have greeted the novel. Um, before we close in on the city of Istanbul, because I guess that's where we have to stay for a while. Uh, uh, that you moved from where you were born uh, in in my files it says it the name is Haimana 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 and that's a little south of Ankara yes it is central central Turkey but the yeah. south south is to Ankara yeah, and, but still in uh, Anatolia yes central mm -hmm. Anatolia and and from my reading I know that Anatolia is very different from Istanbul and even from Ankara. Uh, it is totally different from Istanbul, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, because the Haimana, I call, Haimana is a vast plain of 500 kilometers. Mm -hmm. uh, and our village is... On a high level? Uh, no, it's, it's low level. It's low level. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind of um, maybe plateau. Yeah, I'm plateau, not good uh, at geography, okay. yeah. sorry. Uh, and uh, in the middle of a desert-like, uh, you know, countryside, there are uh, hundreds of villages. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a little ch child, uh, we didn't have very much connection with each other because uh, the road uh, was not very good and also we didn't have electricity. When we received electri electricity in my village, I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, then Haimana suddenly uh, becomes uh, another world. When I moved to Istanbul to study mm -hmm. law, uh, Istanbul was a new continent for mm -hmm. me, not a new city, a new place. It was another world. Mm -hmm. But when also um, Anatolia is a kind of that <laughs> kind of geographical like that, and Istanbul is up there, uh, why didn't you go to Ankara, being the closest big city? Uh, it, it is uh, the funny and complex um, exam system in Turkey. Mm -hmm. When you finish your high school, mm -hmm. you have to uh, write uh, uh, 18 universities that mm -hmm. uh, you would like to study. Okay. And then you get exam, and one of them you will win. It's uh -huh. like lottery. And, you know, you have to make a good list uh, in order not to miss it. So I wrote some schools in Ankara, some in Istanbul, some in Izmir. Uh, so, and then they said, OK, you are mm. going to Istanbul. It was a surprise. Mm. Uh, and this was um, in the early 80s? 1982. I was 17 yeah. years old. Mm. But from the latest election results two days ago. Um, for us, it seems that Anatolia is very different from both Ankara and Istanbul, but maybe it wasn't that different uh, then. Uh, I think more or less the same. Mm -hmm. It is like Anatolia, I mean, usually we use uh, the term Anatolia, not geographically, it's like countryside, like the rural part mm. of Turkey. And uh, seasides always vote for left-wing parties, mm. as it happened two mm. days ago. And the central or the rural part uh, votes for the conservative right-wing parties, like the United States or like uh, United Kingdom. Mm. When you look at the Brexit votes, 
not the uh, main uh, big cities, but mostly the rural part mm. of England. So Britain voted mm. uh, for Brexit. Uh, it works the same, uh, more or less, in Turkey. Mm. I think maybe my, <laughs> my uh, impression of uh, Anatolia is I've been reading too much early Oran Pamuk because there are some bus rides in Anatolia and they are always very dangerous. Um, <laughs> it, it's not like going to um, Texas in a uh, <laughs> Western movie, uh, but you should be careful. You, you should get a good advice. Okay, you should choose you your buses carefully. <laughs> yeah. Or have a private fiber, yeah, yeah. as you always should. Mm. <laughs> mm. But why do so many uh, writers, after all, end up in, in all countries, end up in the capitals or the biggest city? Is there a inner drive or...? Yeah, uh, you know, in France they say uh, all poets are born in countryside, but they all die in Paris. Mm. Mm. And uh, in Turkey we can translate it that <laughs> they all die in Istanbul. Uh, I think it's uh, just uh, because it's kind of vortex, uh, like a uh, uh, world, it's uh, gravity, cultural gravity, mm. social gravity, mm. uh, and you feel that, okay, you have to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Turkey, yes, Istanbul, without seeing Istanbul, you have to know Istanbul. When I mm-hmm. saw Istanbul for the first time at the age of 17, it was not something new for me because I had already known mm-hmm. through uh, movies, songs, mm-hmm. tales and novels. You have that knowledge of Istanbul like at the moment all around the world we all have the knowledge of New York. Mm-hmm. If we get that, okay, New York, we know that. Okay, that mm-hmm. building, that building. Uh, that's kind of uh, uh, cultural capitalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Turkey, we have Istanbul. It's not something new. It's been like this for a thousand years in yeah. the region, and I think uh, we cannot change it for a long time, and we shouldn't change it. <laughs> so Ankara really is not it? And uh, no, no, Ankara is the capital city of Turkey. It's my hometown. Uh, I can say, with the population of five million, mm-hmm. uh, we cannot compete uh, with Istanbul. Because Istanbul now is over 15? Over 15, yes. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's not because of population. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe just a matter of uh, beauty. It's three Be- times Norway, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yesterday I called my wife, she said, uh, what's Oslo like? I said, the population is just 500,000. Is that so little, she said? I said, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still, the, the, the writers die here as well. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I know the skyline when I get here. Um, uh, by entering Istanbul as a topic for a novel, uh, you also enter a national much-walked highway. And also, not only national writers have been writing about Istanbul, also uh, vividly described by foreign authors. Yeah. <clears throat> mm. And this you knew by 
when you started this book? Uh, if, if you are uh, a writer, a novelist in Turkey, uh, sooner or later you are expected to write a novel also about uh, Istanbul. Istanbul. <laughs> uh, that, that's something serious. When I uh, finished my second novel, uh, my niece, uh, she lives in Ankara, she came, she said, Uncle, when are you going to write an Istanbul novel? Mm-hmm. I said, don't worry, I will write something. But uh, at the time, I already started to write Istanbul, Istanbul. Uh, it, it is maybe uh, written, not in your CV, but in your uh, blood, that you have to write something uh, related to Istanbul. Uh, when I uh, started to write my first novel, uh, I'm kind of writer having many ideas at the same time. Uh, I've got so many ideas of novels, maybe 10 or 20 different files on my computer. Uh, with my first novel, in the beginning, I had the idea of this novel. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, put this in a different file. I will write this book someday. Uh, it might have been my second novel, but now another story came up, mm-hmm. and then I wrote it as a uh, third novel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, did it grow or was it just the start? Of course, of course. You, you just, uh, you know how you start. You just, uh, in the beginning, you write uh, a simple sentence, uh-huh. a novel of Istanbul. Then you say, okay, uh, it shouldn't be the same as other Istanbul novels. Then you put question mark. How <laughs> should be different? And then you make, make a, list. a long list. <laughs> and when I started to write the novel, I think I got 50 or 60 pages already <laughs> written with so many notes. Uh, and That's a yeah. good start. Mm-hmm. Because uh, to my knowledge, uh, just to look at the last century, there are at least... Um, there is one very big old Ahmed Hamdi Tam- Tampina uh, who wrote Uzur, Uzur yes. um, a mind at peace that came uh, into Norwegian in 2016 as peace out of Fred in Norwegian mm. he, he was uh, maybe the first modern uh, Istanbul describing writer uh, unfortunately, yes. When I say unfortunately, in a, in a good way, because he put uh, uh, the bar too high, mm-hmm. right from the beginning. He, he wrote wonderful uh, two novels, mm-hmm. apart from some other pieces. Oh. Uh, both novels are about Istanbul, they are high merit, and... Uh, Everybody trying to be like him, mm-hmm. uh, even Orhan Pamuk. For a foreign uh, reader, Orhan Pamuk is a great writer, just mm. came out of nowhere. Mm. No, he just came uh, out of Tampanar's overcoat. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, he followed uh, Tampanar's footsteps and closely uh, yeah, and created uh, great literature. Mm. So we all try to read Tampanar in a different ways mm. all the time. Because uh, it came out uh, after the war, but the whole big novel is on the day before the last war, World War, yeah. in 39, 38, I guess. Yeah. And it's a very tight novel 
of the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mentality yeah. and yeah. characters and uh, and and his other novel, the Time uh, Machine. Ta- yeah, Time Regulation Institute. Mm. It's, it's marvelous book. Yeah, but that's very different. Yeah, it it is totally because different. Because that's a rather fun yeah. novel. Yeah, it it is yeah. funny and dramatic, critical, and uh, because in Turkey when you write. Uh, about Istanbul and also use uh, a clock or mm. a watch uh, yeah. as a metaphor. That means, okay, you are resembling a tampener. In Istanbul, Istanbul, I wrote one story mm. about the time and, uh, uh, clock time. and Istanbul. Yeah. And uh, it's just to show your respect mm-hmm. to your masters. Yeah, because uh, this uh, book agent that I know, the Turkish one, she showed me these two books and she looked at me and said are you the happy type or are you the serious type <laughs> and I said I'm the serious type and then I got to the, the other one. Okay. yes and that was correct for me yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and then comes Oran Pamuk uh, he has he has written about other things but not much <laughs> he has uh, Kara Gitap black book he has um, the museum of innocent Uskyldighetens uh, museum, but foremost the book called Istanbul, but just one time Istanbul. Yeah. That is his, um, and, and it also the name is Hatti Ralar ve Shehir. The memories and the city. And the city. So it's both a portrait of the city and also about his uh, growing up. Um, very personal portrait. But you come from the outside, uh, and um, Tan Pinar didn't come from the outside, but he come. He was born in the Ottoman period, so he, in a way, yeah. mentally probably yeah. come from the outside yeah. uh, for writing a modern novel. Um, uh, and in what ways do you see your book? apart from being from a totally another generation, fitting into this translation. You said we are all trying, but at a certain point you had to let the book go and you are not Tanpina. Yeah, uh, that's, that's very important. When we take notes for a novel, uh, we make, or I make two lists. The one list is the list of do's. What should I do? I should write this one, this one, this one. And also, there's a list of don't do's. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this novel, I have a long list of don't do's. One of them was, do not separate the past and present. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that? that that's very crucial uh, for me uh, about this novel. Because our um, history of Istanbul novel, uh, which about 200 years old in poetry, in novel, and short stories. We, are, we have so many books. Nearly all of them dividing Istanbul into different eras. Mm-hmm. The Istanbul of pastime and Istanbul of today. And usually lamenting for the pastime or glorifying, uh, we lost that beautiful Istanbul of the pastime. And now we are living in modern chaotic days. That might be true view, but in this modern age, in 21st century, 
we need to unite time mm -hmm. rather than separating it. Uh, so I try to find ways of uniting time and also uniting geography. One of the uh, don't use was do not divide Istanbul as west and east. Because when we look, when we talk about Istanbul, usually uh, we say, okay, Istanbul is the meeting point of west and east. Mm. It's meeting point of two continents, and the meeting point of past and present. But Istanbul is a single entity if we live inside. Mm. Because when you look at Istanbul from the west, you see the east mm. in it. But we, when you look at from Istanbul from the east, you see the west in the city. Mm. Uh, usually our novels uh, looked from either east or west. <coughs> For this book, I said, okay, we should look at Istanbul from inside. Mm. And then I decided to put my characters three levels underground. Okay, it was easy for me uh, to to structure a prison, you know, on the flat land. But mm. instead, I put them underground because when you are underground in a dark place, uh, you lose the sense of direction. You don't know west or east, south, and also you lose if you are being tortured, if you are in pain, then you lose the sense of time as well. Mm. You don't have past or future. You have endless now, the, because the pain just nails you to the present time. So by putting my four characters in a small cell, three floors underground, and giving them pain all the time, and telling stories of Istanbul through their eyes, gave me opportunity to unite, unite time and the geography in a single place. And I think that was my aim when I was writing this mm. book. So did you know this when you started, or yes, did it come yes. up? Yeah. Um, I think it was built up uh, within a few months. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I knew that it wouldn't be um, you know, meaningful to write another Istanbul novel that already been written. <laughs> you know, it, there was no point. But still, um, it's a very dramatic decision to do to uh, decide to write a whole novel. It's not as big as <laughs> some of Bamuk's, thank God. Um, but concentrated. I think somewhere it says that this room where the persons are is two times one meter? Yeah, one by two meters. That is quite close. Mm -hmm. I've never uh, yeah, been to prison, so yeah. I don't know, but I guess it's quite yeah, close. That, that's actual uh, measure. Uh, when I was a student, I was in one of those cells, mm. and uh, it was yeah, two meters long and one meter uh, with width. And we were some days four people, some days eight people. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the actual place uh, you have to survive. So, to make it a novel, you had to use their minds to open <laughs> the story. <laughs> yeah. Um, the idea, uh, the whole book is fiction, uh, because I created them, you know, in my um, imagination or dreams mm -hmm. of my mind. But of course, there are some real points that uh, I got help. One of them is the main idea of 
uh, telling stories uh, with the mouth of four people in a small cell. Hmm. Uh, it, it was a real thing. When I was uh, there, I was 19 years old, university student. Uh, it was just after military coup in Turkey. There was military law applied. And uh, when I was put there, there were a few elder uh, people. By elder, I mean uh, when you are 19 years old, 25 years old, people look very old to you. Hmm. They were elder, uh, maybe 22 or 25 years old. And uh, there was averagely eight or 10 hours systematic torture a day hmm. for each person. And when you stay there uh, uh, on your own, you need something to pass time. Hmm. Because there was nothing, no light. And uh, so in the first day, uh, they said, Okay, now we are going out for jogging, for running. It was my first day in the cell, and you are 19 years old. I said, okay, okay, that's good, okay. Uh, apparently, they leave us to go out and do your jogging, and then come back to the cell. And they said, okay, where shall we go today? They started to have kind of dispute. Mm. One of them said, okay, let's go to Anatolian side. One said, oh, no, stay in that European side. And he said, okay, yesterday we went to that uh, big park. It was so boring. Mm. And uh, I followed them. And then they said, okay, get up. We lined up in that small sun. We started to run. <laughs> it was a daily exercise. They started to talk as if they are seeing outside. They said, oh, look at this tree. It was not here yesterday. No, I saw that tree yesterday. Look at that bird or look at the sun. As if they were seeing mm. the real Istanbul when we were just running in that in small cell. So this is real creativity. Yes. Uh, maybe that's the power of mankind, maybe mm. the power of our evolution. Mm. Uh, we are very creative in difficult times. Mm. And they managed to survive. Mm. And also t they managed to bring the good part of our characters. You know, we all have good and bad elements mm. in, in our soul. And the real personality is to manage th that fight in our personality to support our good sides. Mm -hmm. And in that difficult times, uh, I think you need uh, to be more powerful to support your good sides. Mm -hmm. So I saw in that place that people are brilliant, mm -hmm. mankind, torturous. Of course, you can imagine, oh, how can people be so horrible? Because they are evil people. No, they are not evil people. They are people like me. Mm -hmm. They are people like us. Uh, they have family, they have to take bread to their home for their kids, and they have to do their work as a torturing you. Hmm. Uh, it was a normal, normal act of work for them. I don't see them as a devil like uh, you know, creatures in the movies, no. They are just part of us. We have to fight them as if we are fighting uh, evil part of our characters. Hmm. So what you say is your own experiences in the 90s after this uprising in 96, was it? No. Uh, when you were arrested. Uh, no, this first incident is 1984. When yeah, I was the early one. Yeah. But after that, some other things happened. And <gasps> the, the latest and uh, the worst one came in 1996. Mm. Yeah. So, but these impressions, did you write them down after they happened, or did you just 
keep them inside you? Uh, I started to write novels uh, very late, in 1998, I think, mm -hmm. when I was in exile, and uh, because I had nothing to do, and also uh, my health was very critical. I was kind of stuck mm -hmm. to the bed. I couldn't do anything else, just watch TV. Mm -hmm. Then I started to write novels. Mm -hmm. So when I started to novels, that kind of memories already okay. been part of past. <laughs> mm. And the, and the strange thing is um, um, that uh, in this small room with these four people in the book, that's fiction, um, this picture of the city grows through their conversations. And um, I know a few um, Turkish words, and one of them is usun. Usun. Um, in Pamuk's Istanbul book, he uh, used the whole chapter of des for describing uh, this because it's a special uh, mood that Istanbul has, not only on the people living there, but also when we come as tourists. And he tries to explain it. It's nostalgia, but not nostalgia. It's tristesse, the, the more French word, but not. It's sadness over um, the new, uh, confronted with the old. It's sadness over the destruction of the old. Uh, it's sadness of not taking care of the monuments, the views, the beautiful tourist views and the brutal city in ruins. Uh, so, and also in your book, some of this comes forward, the double, the double pictures of the city, the, the old city behind there, and the new city as it is now, and the growing city. And also, when I come as a tourist, as we all do, um, <laughs> this this um, force to keep um, the touristy pictures that ends up on almost every book and every pamphlet on Istanbul, the yellow light, the, the couples on the, the minarets and everything, they become cliches. And Behind that, there is the real city nowadays. Yeah. And these four people relate to the city. And I think maybe the most interesting is the guy who comes from outside, the older guy. Uh, I tried to find out, um, there is a, a doctor, a barber, and student. a student, and also this um, fourth person. Yeah. But when I tried to find out what his name was, it's the, the dictionary gave me uh, Arabic horse uncle. Kuheilan, <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> is yeah. that yeah. close? Or? No, Kuheilan uh, is a type of horse, yeah. but we also use it as a phrase. Well, when you call a man, okay, like a Kuhelan, that means strong. Yeah, uh, so the impression uh, yeah, is yeah. correct. Um, yeah, his name is uh, Kuhelan. Mm. Yeah. Uh, when you say about this, uh, that cliche, uh, you know, 
Okay, uh, I think we cannot stop cliches, and uh, no, no. after a certain point, maybe we have to stop fighting with cliches. Because mm -hmm. when you say New York, we have certain cliché, mm -hmm. or Paris, like Eiffel Tower, <laughs> or Istanbul, that uh, view of minarets with the sun setting. That's normal. Even uh, Kafka couldn't stop it. You know, when he was alive, he sent his book to his publisher, that Metamorphosis, and he sent a letter, you know, that famous letter, mm. warning his publisher. He said, please do Don't. not put any picture of insect on the cover. <laughs> now, look at this world. Maybe in 200 languages, you can see Metamorphosis mm. without... Not anyone, uh, any one of them is without insect. So even Kafka couldn't manage to stop that kind of cliché. So <laughs> and now I accept that we have to accept that kind of clichés, especially when it comes to Istanbul. My book published now, this Istanbul, in 36 languages. So this is quite good, because they, it's the very time, small yeah. up there. Uh, nearly 30 of them has uh, the cover of uh, minaret and mm. mosque. Mm. Uh, of that typical card postal or postcard mm. of Istanbul. Mm. Uh, actually, it has nothing to do with the story, <laughs> uh, but I accept it. Mm. That that's part of the imagination of the city. We cannot yes. stop it. Uh, but when I saw the Norwegian cover, I said, okay, finally, <laughs> they made something <laughs> and different. And also, it's a little <laughs> more complicated also. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Because the, the uh, English one was very original. It put the, the Minarets up upside down. down. <laughs> it, it's very, very smart. Yeah. Mm. But this is every publisher's big problem yeah, yeah. because you want to sell the book, you want to tell what it is without yeah. writing it. Yeah. So you ha and you have to catch the eyes. Yeah. yeah. So it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Uh, and also, it's. Uh, uh, the cover designers, especially in Turkey or in some other mm -hmm. countries, is another expertise. You shouldn't get involved with their work very much. It's their freedom. The writing mm -hmm. is my uh, work, okay, mm -hmm. my, but when it comes to cover, there are some artists. Mm -hmm. They create something and Thank I have you. to respect them. And uh, in some places, they ask my opinions, okay, just out of courtesy. But in the end, I always say, okay, if you prefer that one, I'm happy with it. Then I try to understand their view of the, the, the book. Think, yes. <coughs> and, and when you translate, of course, the, the most Istanbulish <laughs> way is to do it yeah. like <coughs> that. So it's, it's understandable. <coughs> um, Good you didn't get uh, an insect because um, the writer Flaubert, he called uh, Istanbul an anthill. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe in <laughs> French it's... That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's ant. Uh, the double in the title. Can you say something about that? Uh, yeah. Uh, to Istanbul, it's, it's easy to describe. Um, okay. Uh, in line with the story, there are two Istanbuls, four people underground, hmm. uh, three floors underground, and they are telling stories of Istanbul, three floors above ground, two different Istanbul. And uh, underground, there is pain, there is darkness. Hmm. Overground, in the stories they tell, always beautiful things, the things that they miss, and the stories of beauty and love uh, in Istanbul. Uh, so, two different level of two Istanbuls uh, <clears throat> was the main uh, way of writing stories. 
uh, in this book. And in other aspects, <coughs> we can find uh, different things uh, at the same time in the same place in Istanbul. Mm -hmm. When we go in, in a street, you can feel uh, the time of 500 years ago and also the time of uh, future. Uh, you can feel the, or see the thing of Ottomans or Byzantines, Romans, mm -hmm. but also you can follow the, one of the best uh, jazz festivals in the world. Mm -hmm. or Istanbul is the second most important city of tango dancing. So that kind of uh, opposing uh, elements are together. Mm -hmm. I think that's the beauty of the city, mm -hmm. rather than uh, creating a clash seeing that there is a unity rather than East and West. There is Istanbul. Mm. I cannot say this is West, this is East. They are together. Mm. Uh, and also um, the city in this little cell is constructed to the four people's stories, the glimpses they get, the yeah. multiple voices, <coughs> so it's a very mosaic-ish yeah. uh, way, uh, or you could call it polyphone technique. Um, so this makes this book, I think, a modern novel. Yeah, because uh, you know, seeing things uh, always uh, has plurality. Uh, if we talk about the city of Oslo, or if you tell me about Oslo, it's my first time in the city, mm -hmm. I just arrived yesterday, maybe everyone will say something different, using mm -hmm. different words. There is not a single Oslo. Uh, Oslo is as many as a uh, number of people who are talking about it. Same about Istanbul. Uh, let me give you a dramatic example. Uh, about to finish the novel, then I decided to draw uh, the map of uh, this cell block mm -hmm. or that torture center. Mm -hmm. But it was years ago when I was there, nearly 30 years ago. Then I drew it, then I, I couldn't remember the, the number of the cells. Even I don't remember which cell I was in, <laughs> 38 or, or 39, <laughs> but I couldn't remember. Uh, right on the right-hand corner, was it uh, number 41 or 42? I couldn't remember. Mm. Then uh, I met uh, my friends when we were together in that book. I said, okay, now I'm writing a novel about that cell block. Can everyone please draw the map of the cell mm. block? And then I asked some other people who had been there before yeah. us. All maps came differently. No map matched each other. That that was not a story, not the Even description of Even if that was map. quite simple, yeah, just really. simple, 25 yeah. cells, two corridors. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember once we went out about, because I studied law and most of my friends were uh, law students there. Now we are all lawyers. They are famous lawyers in Istanbul. We went out to drink uh, Turkish rocky in a long night and we ended up having a kind of fight. Whose map is the correct one? <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, I said, sorry, I have privilege. I will use my own map. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, even a simple 
uh, map, uh, you know, having different views. Mm. So a city of Istanbul, not a city of 15 million, a city of 10,000 mm. years has got millions of views mm. in different eyes. Mm. That's why I, I used four different people and also used 10 different chapters with so many different stories. So all stories, mm. like so many cells, mm. they come together and they all make a single city. Mm. That's Istanbul. Mm. From the many voices, because they have, some of them have three stories, some of them have two stories, but they, in every story, all the others are as well. And fortunately, the stories do not all. There are stories about the cell, how they do not eat and how they do not sleep, how they are cold, and, mm. and some are tortured and brought back. Um, but most of the stories are about the city, but then what takes this novel much further is um, all the other stories uh, that I have thought now they must come or originate from your mother. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, many stories uh, taken from my mother. If you ask her, I, I took all stories from her, she claims. <laughs> uh, uh, seriously. She is illiterate, unfortunately. She cannot read or write. Uh, uh, her mother tongue is Kurdish, but she, she understands Turkish. And uh, my nieces or nephews sometimes try to read my books to her. She, after a few pages, she, she gets bored. She said, I know the rest, okay, I told him to write, okay. <laughs> uh, they never finished uh, a novel. <laughs> but, but these stories are a group of stories, fables, wild things about the wolves and mm -hmm. the countryside and uh, some of them are um, um, containing riddles, strange riddles that you as a reader write to, can I, can I make this? <laughs> <laughs> and also some rather wild ones. Um, what we haven't talked about is how you uh, in a way has uh, done this on top of a very classical book, an Italian book from the 13th century, uh, Decameron by Boccaccio. But you changed the circumstances, of course, but still there are some rests of that old book. Yeah, uh, because uh, the, the style I use is, uh, in this book is telling stories within stories. Mm. When we use this technique, we, we know that there are so many historical references. Mm. Uh, first of all, uh, maybe the uh, most famous one in Turkey is Arabian Nights, 1001 yes. Sharaza stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, uh, but I liked to prefer Boccaccio's De Cameron mm. because it takes place in 10 days mm. in this book. There are ten chapters, and also in uh, Decameron. Let me just uh, remind you the story uh, about eight hundred years ago. Mm. I think yes, maybe yeah, mm. nearly seven hundred years ago. Maybe in mm. Florence there is a, a Black Death epidemic, mm. 
Hmm. And a group of uh, men and women, they run away from the city. And they decide to spend some days uh, in a countryside house uh, until the epidemic gone away from the city. And uh, when they are in that house, they say, okay, we need to, to do something to pass time. Yeah. They say, okay, so let's tell stories to each other. And every day, each of them telling a story. Mm-hmm. And in 10 days, they uh, collect 100 stories. In their stories, uh, there are two main thema we can feel when we uh, read the camera. The f- first one is humor. Mm-hmm. Almost all stories are mm-hmm. uh, funny. And second one is sexuality. Mm-hmm. And uh, because uh, it's not just simple choice. Uh, mm. Sexuality, the freedom of the body, mm. that means, uh, or the humor, the freedom of the mind, mm. are the best way to oppose a despotic power. Mm. The death is a despotic power. And they are close together. Yeah. And uh, in my book, I use that kind of elements mm. uh, with a single difference. They are telling their stories while they run away from the death. Mm. But in this mm. novel, they are still in the field of death and pain mm. because they don't know whether they will survive or not next day. So that's why the, the tone or the intonation of their stories is slightly different. Mm. And in this book, there are so many stories are mainly about the beauty, mm. the beauty of the city or the beauty of the love or mm. the beauty of the woman they love. Uh, and also uh, the humor, the laughter. So those two elements, the beauty, the sense of beauty in our life, uh, and also the sense of uh, humor is uh, the best antidote against any evil power. Hmm. Here, torture and despotism. Hmm. That's why nowadays in Turkey, uh, even though politically we are going through very difficult times, but we are so happy. If you go to Turkey, everybody will tell you some jokes, they will make some you know, stupid jokes. Uh, that's not something that we are pretending. This is part of our real character. Uh, I think if you live in a long uh, darkness, then you start uh, to accept it in, in a different way. Let me give you uh, an example like this. If, if in a classroom a uh, teacher slaps you, it will be a nightmare for you, for mm. your life. Mm. You will have maybe uh, psychological problems and therapies. But if a uh, teacher slaps all students every day, mm. then it becomes normal. Mm. Then the s- second day, uh, people's, uh, students will start to uh, make fun of each other. Oh, you shouted too much. Mm. Okay, you turned your face that way. It's now similar in Turkey. Unfortunately, we get that... Uh, beating and evil treatment as normal. Mm. If it's a normal for, uh, let's say, governing people, then we take it as a normal and the normal way to resist it, mm. to make humor mm. about it. Because that's known from, from all oppressive regimes that uh, laughter is a subversive thing. Yeah. Uh, and also in Norway during the war there were a lot of... of uh, humor 
and, and some of it was kind of closed then, but came out afterwards. And I would also say that um, uh, the, the erotic stories that are still also in your book with, with four grown men <laughs> in a space like that, of course that is also something sad but necessary yeah. to have these stories. Yeah. And I laugh a lot about them. Yeah, we have to laugh. Uh, <clears throat> in, in the book, you maybe remember, uh, I think it was the last chapter or before the last chapter, the title of the chapter is mm. Yellow Laughter. I don't Yellow know how laughter, it, how, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yellow Laughter is uh, uh, in some part of Turkey, uh, people use it. Uh, when someone is dead in the family, mm -hmm. uh, you know, during the day, uh, neighbors come, friends and relatives come, and you all cry and mourn mm -hmm. about the death. And after you bury the, uh, the deceased, and in the evening everybody leaves, and only you, the, uh, that core member of the family, remain home, you know, five or ten people. Uh, you start to talk about the person who just mm. died. You say, mm. he or she was so nice and we will miss mm. her and you cry mm. a bit. And after one or two hours, you start to tell uh, stories the about her. Stories. Say, oh, mm. you remember once she or he uh, did something funny. Oh, yeah, Falan. And after three, four hours, just before the midnight, mm. you start to laugh loudly. Yeah, and your laughter <laughs> being heard from outside. Mm. That's called yellow laughter. Mm. You have a pain, a deceased person, a death yeah. at home, but you still laugh. Mm. In Turkey now, we in that state of yellow laughter. Mm. So everyone knows what that yeah. is. And uh, it's both lamenting and also a hope for tomorrow. Mm. Mm. Uh, we talked briefly about um, uh, poetry. But I find there is much poetry in this book as well, uh, because uh, like in a, in a poem, when there is a refrain, there are certain pictures that come, come back in, during the book. And one of them is this beautiful, the, the red scarf that, yeah. that flies away from a boat. And, and in the beginning, you just see it as something beautiful. But closer to the end, it, it in a way comes back. And, and that's also very satisfying. Mm. And what we have not talked about is also um, a thing that I also found in Ahmed Altan's latest book, I Will Never See the World Again, that these few people, they are smoking cigarettes, but there are no cigarettes, and they are careful with the matches so they don't leave them on someone's feet. And also, they talk about food all the time, almost. Yeah. And close to the end of the book, when no one knows how it will end, you make this fantastic kind of dinner party on a veranda, looking at the beautiful touristy view, Bosworth, yeah. where they have the most fabulous food to be served. And, and these images are also, I think, more like the yellow laughter, that they, they sustain a hope, even where it's quite hopeless. Oh, yeah. Um, now, th there is a dispute among readers in Turkey, because I go to readings. 
is the end of the book is hopeful mm. or hopeless? And mm. uh, half of some people say, no, it's, it's just closed and it's hopeless. And some say, no, it's hopeful. I wanted to give that double ending. Yeah. You managed it's, that. It's, it's, uh, it's very much like Turkey's his, uh, yeah. destiny. Mm -hmm. uh, up and down and yeah. up and down. What are we going to have in the future, in the near future? Mm. I, I believe both options are possible. Mm. It's not end of everything. Now, so many people say, okay, finished. We lost Turkey. We cannot live here anymore. No, we have opportunity. It depends on us. If we work for it, we can manage. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to give that sense in this book as well. Mm. Mm. And it depends on your mind and fantasy. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Very much. Uh, and of course, mm, and also it's kind of paying your death, uh, your death to, to your friends who died, mm -hmm. because I live today, but I've got so many friends mm -hmm. that who, who, who couldn't see. Mm -hmm. Now, when I write, I also want to see the world mm -hmm. for them as well. Mm -hmm. When they died, they were very much hopeful. Mm -hmm. Still, I'm very much hopeful for the future of Turkey. Mm -hmm. Despite all these difficulties, we will not surrender. It's not the end of the uh, story. And uh, in this book, I wanted to keep that sense alive. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the book now, for us who know most about Turkey from the last 10 years about, um, uh, it's very easy to connect it to things happening now. But you've been very careful. There are no years, there are no names, there is no prime minister or president or... Um, do you do this uh, because you have to be careful or you just chose to do it? Mm. Uh, it was uh, something deliberately I did. Uh, in my latest book, The Newly Published Labyrinth, I used reference to our current president or Sultan Erdogan, uh, because he likes to be you know, seen as a Sultan. Uh, uh, okay, I, I use some reference to him. In this book, uh, I thought that there should be no reference to certain decade. Mm -hmm. uh, because in Turkey, uh, people say, oh, Turkey in, is in very bad circumstances. We've been like this for mm. 50 years. 100 years. Well, maybe 100 years. Mm. Uh, for for <laughs> living people, okay? Uh, if I'm middle-aged, if I call myself, for younger generation, the older generation, mm. they all suffer the same thing. So mm. I said, okay, let's manage to cover the stories and feelings and the pains of all those generations in this book. And then book published and you ask as a writer whether I managed or not. And at the readings and then through conversations and mails and uh, I realized and got the uh, certain uh, impression that I managed that. Mm. For example, all the generation of 1968, they say, mm. well done, son, mm. you wrote the story of our generation. Mm. Or the younger generation of just Gezi uprising, mm. they say, oh, elder brother, wonderful story, our generation mm. likes these stories because you reflect our yeah. feelings. Mm. And my generation says the same thing. Then, as a novelist, I started to feel proud, you know, mm. oh, I'm talented, I managed uh, to combine three generations feeling 
in a single book. Mm -hmm. But then, suddenly you realize that it's not a matter of your talent. It's just the reality of Turkey. <laughs> Every generation is going the same through same mm. sufferings. Mm. So you have to just see that. Mm. Uh, but the main sense for myself, you have to always keep a small light, maybe very small light, glittering in distance, in darkness, that there is possibility that we can change this destiny. Mm. That, that's the, not the task of novelist, but it's also the sense of my characters, mm. the sense of real people now living in Istanbul. Not only a novels. So I understand you, you uh, share your time between Cambridge and England and Istanbul. And let's hope you can do this because I think uh, Istanbul needs your view on things. Uh, yes. Um, I, I lived in England uh, more than 10 years. Mm. Uh, you know, then because I had uh, problems, you know, I didn't have problems. The government had problem with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> then I managed to return back to Turkey with a British passport. And uh, as a writer, it's wonderful to live in two beautiful cities, mm -hmm. Istanbul and Cambridge. Yeah. Uh, I said that's ideal, ideal way of uh, life for a writer. But then suddenly, six years ago, uh, uh, an uprising uh, mm. broke up. It's called Gezi Park uprising, mm. and uh, and so many people started to leave country because of mm. the oppression came from government, and I felt that okay, I used my time in exile. Now my friends are leaving country. Now mm. it's time to come back home and to help if I have that opportunity because now I'm more powerful. When I left Turkey 20 years ago. Uh, for Britain, mm -hmm. uh, I was very much wounded. I was sentenced to prison, and so many things. But now I'm an international writer. Mm -hmm. I have British passport and some other advantages. So I have to use it in Istanbul mm -hmm. because my people need people like me. So mm -hmm. now, uh, let's say about maybe eight months, uh, more than half of the year I spent in Istanbul. Mm -hmm. The other part of the year I spent in in England. Mm -hmm. I think we'll stop there and hope for the future. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It is great. great. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast from the House of Literature in Oslo, presenting adapted versions of lectures and conversations featuring international writers and thinkers. You can find more episodes and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud and our website. The music is by Apotheque.